Welcome to the CBIA BizCast. I'm your host, Ali Warshavsky, and today on our podcast, we're speaking with ThinkLight CEO, Dinesh Swadwani. ThinkLight has expanded from being a company focused on energy efficiency to a company that also focused on air quality, and now it's also used in the agricultural space. And it's only been around a few years, so a lot of growth in the past few years that Dinesh is going to break down for us. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Ali. It's a pleasure to be here and thank you for having us. Of course, and I was reading an article in Boston Business Magazine and you and your brother founded this company. Tell us a little bit about what the very beginning was like for you. When did you come up with this idea and how did you guys grow? You started with Think Light Energy, correct? That's correct. So uh, we, we were established in 2009. So it feels like a much shorter time, but we've been around for about 13 years. And um, we look at ourselves as a technology company that specializes in sustainability, challenging the wasteful practices of today, and most importantly, bringing value to buildings. And our journey started in the LED lighting world and energy savings uh, back in 2009. And and it all began uh, while I was still in my dorm rooms, actually, at at Babson College. That's when the, the idea was born. And my background, uh, even though I studied business, my background is a lot of uh, uh, software engineering and electrical engineering. So, so the first time I, I learned about LEDs, uh, uh, this was the days when you know they weren't on the shelves of Home Depot and, and Lowe's. Uh, they cost like two hundred dollars to buy them online. And, and the first thing I did was order a bunch, open them up, and it, it was it was a warm and fuzzy feeling of what I saw inside. And I said, "Whoa, there's there's so many ways we can make this better." And uh, it, all, it, it all came together in the first year or so uh, as we, we worked towards formalizing designs, making our own engineered product that would compete with you know, the major LED companies in the world. Uh, we have our R&D hub in Germany and our OEM partner is Samsung in Seoul, South Korea. So all the components are made by them and we have access to some great technology from them. And that's how the whole world of energy savings began. All right, so that was, you know, you said you started in 2009, and, and then you mentioned some countries and areas where you guys expanded. How, you know, what is your Connecticut presence like? Sure. So, um, you know, we, we are a global company, and, and you know, obviously our, our headquarters is in Massachusetts in the Boston area, so Connecticut is very close to us. Um, a lot of our, a majority of our business is from the Northeast and in the U.S., uh, I'd say about 60% of our business is in the U.S. and, and the other 40% is in uh, between Europe, South America, Middle East, and Australia. But uh, in terms of Connecticut specifically, uh, we have done several buildings uh, and several you know, uh, uh, facilities in terms of energy efficiency and lighting. Uh, we had a, a big initiative in, at ThinkLight around 2015, 2016, where we said, Yes, we have a great advantage in energy efficiency over the rest of the world, um, but there's gonna come a time where everybody has LEDs, right? Everyone has gone from that 40 watts down to that eight watts and what's next, right? And, and the whole thinking was, we, we are not exactly a lighting company because of our supply chain, right? We, we are blessed to have some pretty incredible engineers in our team, access to all kinds of semiconductors really, working with Samsung. And, and the whole thinking was, how can we leverage our strength 
and, and, and figure out or explore with our customers, what else can your lighting do for you, right? It gotta be able to do something more than just save you energy. Lighting is such a unique opportunity because if you think about it, there's, there's a light fixture almost every few feet everywhere. And also, uh, uh, you have a power connection, you have electrical connection uh, as part of your infrastructure. So apart from just giving you light, the whole concept of it can do other things for you is a huge opportunity or something that was very important to us. And that's when we began to say, well, we learned about the air problem. The more we read about it, the more we realized that, holy smokes, this is something that could have huge impact for the well-being of people as part of our sustainability mission, as part of keeping the world a safer place. And we started to innovate. And we got schooled by these hospitals that explained to us the tiny microorganisms and tiny viruses that is important to detect and address. And your typical air purifier, most people don't know this, but your typical air purifier, they are designed to capture dust, pollen, some allergens, maybe some pet fur, you know, that exists in the air, which is all great and is valuable, but they don't go down to the tiny microorganism level to take care of viruses and germs, which is what they cared most in hospitals. So, so we, we got schooled by them and we innovated with them, you know, them being our sandbox to develop technology that we call the three rings of defense, uh, starting with a light fixture that actually saves you energy, but also exchanges the air in the building uh, to provide you know, fall log purification or more of 19 level of purification, which is the level of purification of clean air that you need in a surgical room. Uh, uh, the whole thinking is, why do you need to be in a surgical room to have the cleanest air possible, right? That needs to be everywhere. The boss, I think it's fascinating, the Boston children. So when you went to them, you didn't have this idea, you ended up developing it with them and were they like the initial launch of your product? Correct. They were the initial focus group, the initial guiding star, the, the initial uh, uh, brainchild where they said, well, if you guys want to help us do more than just give us lighting, here's our biggest problem. So, so they introduced to us the problem, really. And the more we learned about it, it was a wide-scale healthcare problem. And, and that's really how it all began. And we did an initial, our initial demos and prototypes in there. And, and, and they were telling us what was working, what was not working. And, and, and that became the beginning of the Thinklet Air offering. Now, once you got um, it off the ground at Boston Children's, did you, I know that there's um, other products now and we'll get into the COVID-19 pandemic, but were you able to approach other hospitals with uh, the Think Light Air? And, you know, how did it expand from Boston Children's? What was your next project? Did you just, did you keep approaching the ho different hospitals? Right. So by the time we perfected, you know, our three rings of defense technology, which in includes these fixtures and the monitor that detects the viral loads. It was right around the mid Q3 of 2019. Okay. Uh, uh, there were several iterations, all kinds of clinical testing that has to be done, um, all kinds of uh, data testing to ensure its effectiveness, right? Because it's just so important that the accuracy of these devices and its effectiveness uh, uh, works. And, and just when we were beginning to gear this thing up to talk to all the hospitals and build a team dedicated for healthcare. Uh, um, that was when the pandemic started. But more okay. interestingly, I remember throughout the two years of the evolution and the building and development of these products, you know, 
our our lighting customers includes you know organizations across all industries from schools to universities to shopping malls hospitality office space and we would we would bring up this topic with them and say hey this is what we are working on next right uh, we are doing a niche project with the healthcare world they seem to care a lot about clean air but you know what we are reading guys this is important for all facilities and they would say, hey, Dinesh, you know, hey, think like, you know, cute, cute idea. We don't care what's in the air, right, in our office space. So we don't care, you know, to detect viruses in the air, you know, in our schools. And, and the more conversations we had, we learned two things. A, the lack of education in the market space, in the marketplace. And secondly, we learned that this is probably not for everyone. And it's truly a niche in healthcare. And, and that's when we decided to say, let's build a team around healthcare and let's start to bring this to other hospitals right around end of 2019 and early 2020. And you know, what's really funny is when we were talking to hospitals at that time uh, uh, and the pandemic hit, they called us back and they said, listen, we need this more than ever. We've realized the importance of this more than ever, but we just don't have the capacity right now you know, to deal with this. You know, we need ventilators and we need beds and no one knew what was going on right? March of 2020. And, and, and they were like, yeah, we'll call you back in two weeks when it's all gone, <laughs> right? And the two weeks became two months and here we are two years later. But that's how it began. And, and at that turning point around April or, or May of 2020, anyone who we had this initial conversations of here's what we were building, and we started to get calls back from, you know, GLL at CBRE and, and, and schools saying, what was it you were talking about again? You know, think like, uh, um, is there something that we could use? Can it detect, you know, what's in the air? Does it apply to COVID? And we're like, yes, yes, and yes, because this, this is not COVID-centric. This is just detecting viruses in the air in general. Today, it could be COVID. Tomorrow, it could be another mutant of it. It could be anything else. The point is, you can detect when you have germs in the air and you can tackle it, uh, you know, in dynamically in real time when people are there. So that's kind of how it all unfolded. So I'm interested a little bit in the timeline of it because you were at the forefront, then this happens and everyone's like, we can't deal with you right now because we have, you know, we're, we got patients, we're overwhelmed. But then when do you think you started getting those calls? Would you say like June, July, these hospitals are like, hey, can you come in? And then was it like August, you know, through September, schools are like, hey, can you come in? You know, when did you start getting those phone calls and how did you, did your workforce have to increase? Did you have to hire more people? Was, you know, did you pull people from energy to air? How did you guys manage? Because all of a sudden your phones are ringing off the hook. Right. That's, that's exactly what happened. So, <laughs> so, um, it, you know, March, April was kind of scary for all small, medium businesses, as you can imagine. Uh, uh, so that was really quiet. Everyone was still figuring out what to do. You know, we felt that, you know, we are quite fortunate to be in this position where we've had a two or three year head start of how to deal with cleaning and managing the air, specifically from a healthcare standpoint, which is the number one thing in everybody's mind. And we were like, like the more we push for this uh, uh, in hospitals, uh, 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 we're not sure how well received this would be because everyone was just so inundated. So we, we kind of waited patiently uh, uh, and, and simultaneously right around April, May, we begin to realize that, you know, if you, if you recall, we have, we've all learned a lot in the last two years because at the 
beginning, if you recall, Ali, they were saying, don't touch things. It was very surface tripping, right? Wear gloves, you know, yeah. and, and we were educating people. When we were one of the early and first companies in the area, educating people to say, listen, the surfaces are important, but 99% of these transmissions from the air, right? You don't have to spend that much money on sanitizers and gloves, relative, you know, those are important. You've got to invest in that, but you don't have to spend as much as you think compared to treating the air, right? People are wearing masks and the masks are preventing droplets, but you're still sharing and treating the same air. So we found ourselves doing a lot of education in that, but right around April, May, uh, all the other non-healthcare applications began to get it. And they were like, holy smokes, if we want people to come back in in the fall, we got to have an act together and have ways to show our employees, our customers, our visitors that we are taking action to keep the air clean. So that began to, 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 to unfold. And yeah, I mean, we, we were all hands on deck where it was hard to, to employ and, and, and find more people at that mm-hmm. time because everyone would work from home. And, and it was kind of challenging to coordinate this whole new industry that just opened up. But we had our, our top support, our top operations, our top, top salespeople from the energy side and the growth side, all hands on deck on the air side and, 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 and you know, picking up the calls that were coming in. And, and one thing that really changed was we, we as a company always went directly to customers, uh, you know, learning from Costco, for example, for the livestock lighting or learning from Boston Children's about the air. That was one of our biggest assets of that customer relationship. You know, as a small, medium company, that means a lot to us. We have our engineers, myself as the leader of the company, having these engaging conversations with facilities people. Because that's how we learn, right? Uh, uh, but we realized with the pandemic, it's going to be hard to do that. And that's when we, we said, maybe we should switch up our model to work with channel partners and distributors. Uh, um, because we cannot fly to you know California now to meet our customer, but there is a local supplier of, of, of safety equipment or of janitorial companies or HVAC companies that understand air and they need to be educated about this to carry this mission uh, to spread it as quickly as possible to literally help save lives. So so that became our model and that helped us a lot because now we didn't need 50 sales guys, right? We needed maybe 15 good support people to help educate these distributors that would take it to GI networks. So that's kind of how we maneuvered our way through uh, uh, this entire you know, storm that happened last year. So now, um, you know, 2021, almost into 2022, are your main calls, I'm just thinking of what's going on in Hartford right now from employers um, asking to bring these products into their offices, because it seems like for this area, 2022 January is kind of this, the return to work date for many employers. Are those the calls you're fielding now? Um, yes and no. Um, you see, I uh, we are faced with the challenge of ensuring that all this goodwill and education and consciousness for air quality continues to to stay alive because it's not yet over, right? And 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 unfortunately, you know, this is the beginning or a wake up call, I should say, of things we took for granted in terms of air quality, right? That's how things spread, and it took a global pandemic to people to realize its true effects of. It. So we we have 
we are we are facing two types of customers right? or two types of, of people. One that says, holy smokes, we learned our lesson and, and we are moving towards a world where things need to be more transparent and we need to share with our employees how safe, how clean the air is. And they are all for monitoring, right? So, you know, one of our customers, for example, is, you know, Morgan Stanley uh, Banks, right? They put in our monitor detection uh, uh, hardware and software in all of their facilities. Because now, if you wake up every morning and you're an employee of the organization, you can pull up your phone and you can, you can see what the air quality is in the office. You can see when it was last cleaned. You can see that the air quality is actually safe. You don't have crowded areas around you know, the, the, the open areas. So you know what? I feel safe to get into the office. And when I go into the office, my colleagues and team would come into the office, right? So there's just pro-open transparent world where you know, two years ago, people would say, I don't want people to see what's in the air because now it's a liability and I have to deal with that, right? But in order for people to now feel safe and to come, we should have that open transparency with them. And we are providing the tools to enable that, right? Now, you do have air monitoring. People put it up on their website, right? Come in and, and, and we are proud that we have made investments to ensure the place is clean. And it's the whole package. Here's the monitor, here are the lights that clean the air, and here's the standalone units that, you know, does the larger areas. So that's, that's, a, that's where we see the role going, right? But I will warn that many people on the other flip side say, well, we are vaccinated. You know, I have my third booster shot. It doesn't matter, right? And, and you know, of course, of course it matters because we, we, we have to get out of a mindset of being reactive, right? You know, we have to be proactive is God knows what's next. God knows what the vaccine may or may not be able to cover. And the whole goal is if we all have the confidence that the air that we are sharing is pathogen free, you know, God forbid anything that may get introduced in the future, we will all be way more protected against that. So, you know, that's, so we, the, the education doesn't stop, but we, but, you know, we are focusing a lot on the, on, on, on a lot of pro management companies that understand the risks and, and want to make sure that they are doing the right thing. Very interesting. I, I did not think of the um, other side of it of this whole like, oh, it doesn't matter anymore. We're vaccinated. So that's a good point to bring up of where I could see business dying down a little bit just because of, of what is in people's minds. I just want to touch on something really quick before we let you go and, and probably something that will have you on for a whole nother podcast as it becomes um, more prevalent in Connecticut, and you touched on it earlier, is the legalization of marijuana. Now, we just approved recreational marijuana used here for adults, but the true legalization of the growing and everything is, is gonna take place over the next few months of who can grow and where you can sell. And that's another place where you guys are now seeing even more business. Um, I know you said you were using the agricultural space before, but the um, legalization of marijuana has probably been a little bit of a income boost for Think Life. That's exactly right, you know, and it all comes down to, you know, what I like to see is the power of lighting, right? Is what else can the lights do for you? And, and you know, in, a, in an indoor growth facility, what we have learned is you want to have a light fixture that provides a spectrum or wavelength that's as close as possible to natural light. And you want to mimic everything possible than, than the sunlight. That's a good light, a good grow light in our definition. 
definition. And, you know, back in 2015, 2016, actually, we were working with greenhouses in Europe that were growing lettuce and tomato. And we learned that, you know, when any plant or any crop grows, there's the, there's the budding stage, and then there's the growing stage, and then there's the flowering stage. And at each stage, there's optimal levels of sunlight. You know, you want to you want to replicate, you know, Mother Earth's way of sunrise versus sunset. How do you, you know, slowly wake up the plant to slowly put them to sleep at night? And all that makes a difference in two things, the yield and secondly, the potency, right? Uh, and, and we learned that and we built that for indoor agricultural, you know, farming uh, and the non-cannabis world. Turns out that, you know, when, when it came to Massachusetts and we are super excited about Connecticut as well as, we were again about half a decade ahead of the curve. People were trying to figure out how to use lighting in a very scalable commercial way, right? What, what was common is people were using growth for the longest time in small home growth or craft goal, right? They were much more smaller scale. To, to be able to make that in a much more enterprise or industrial grow, growing area, there's a whole new level of automation and expertise needed. Simple things is how do you spray down the fixtures? Everything needs to be waterproof, right? How can these light fixtures be waterproof? To everything needs to be smart, to understand timing, to understand scheduling, for it to work and mimic you know, uh, the weathers and to mimic, you know, uh, what growers specifically want to the minute, right? You know, some growers who are really, really professional are, are controlling the spectrum of the light and the intensity to the minute. And how can you do that very consistently? And that's why we married our, our expertise with manipulating light spectrums, to smart building automation, to the smart lights that we do in, in buildings. And we have, you know, all the IT infrastructure and the apps to give the growers full control. And, and that became a home run. Uh, I mean, studies show that we were able to provide about 50% more potency and 20% more yield in cannabis. And, and I didn't realize this until later, but they were like, oh my goodness, this is, this is a big deal, <laughs> right? And, and uh, 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 we, we, have, we have worked very closely with you know, the top four or five largest growth facilities in the Massachusetts area uh, um, and New York as well. And, and, and we would love to, to, to continue growing that side of our of our work to help these growers, you know, get the best yield for your work. You guys are really off to a phenomenal start in the past uh, 13 years, and we continue to, uh, we will continue to follow you and see what's next. So thank you so much for coming on the BizCast. We appreciate it. Thank you. It's a true pleasure. It's been, it's been a wonderful journey, and we do realize that we have a lot more work to do. So we we, our job is to innovate and to help help provide technology that makes the world a better place. So there's no end to it, right? So so here we are making a little difference. Well, thank you so much. And thanks for listening to this week's BizCast. You can listen or subscribe on Apple, SoundCloud, and you can also head to cbia.com for more episodes.